Hey everyone, it is Matt from the Medusa Metacast, and I wanted to make a video to answer a question that I get asked all the time by both my students and colleagues alike, which is, how do I know what's true? Another way of asking the question would be, how can I ascertain or determine if the information that I'm encountering is right or wrong? Very important question. Then there are those that may even look into themselves and ask the question outwardly. How do I know whether or not my beliefs or ideas even make any sense? These aren't easy questions. Far from it. But they also happen to be the sorts of questions that I've thought a great deal about for the better part of two decades. It is a question of such great importance that I dedicated a portion of my book to hopefully offering a reliable and useful way of defining truth so that anyone concerned with these sorts of questions could adopt an approach that will likely prove beneficial, regardless of scale or circumstance. Because of how obviously susceptible we are to appearances, let's have me look more presentable or professional or academic. Now, I look like a criminal or a hipster, so why would you listen to me? Let's change that. Now I look professional. Look at me with my tie and collared shirt. I'm wearing expensive glasses. And look, I have a light behind me uh, and a fancy sign. I'm fancy and smart, right? See how easy it is to trick you into perceiving me as more legitimate Keep it in mind the next time you hear someone in an expensive suit speak. The suit doesn't make the man. The suit causes your perception to view the man as being made of something worthwhile. And there's a difference there. This brings me to my first point, the connection between truth and perception. It is stated that perception is reality. But this is a particularly misleading and has become a somewhat insidious claim. What is meant by this is that humans behave as if perception is reality, because we intuitively reach conclusions about the world largely informed by how we experience it. While it may be valid that our experiences are our own and that they occurred, the extent of our ability to assess reality accurately that is, in any objective sense, is significantly hindered by existing limitations on our capacity to do it well. As a result, although we may behave as though our experiences are perfectly legitimate and ultimately informing, we know for a fact that they aren't, and this applies to everyone, without exception. This doesn't mean that we can't find ways to reduce the effects of our bias or to reflect on our experience in an attempt to examine it and see if anything different springs forth. But even then, we will always have an incomplete picture by virtue of our experience being limited to only a single person, which is ourselves. What about how everyone else perceives it? If two people perceive the same event differently, then whose perception is reality? The answer is that they will both behave as though their experience is truthful and accurate, but that doesn't make either of them reality. A great deal is known about human perception and reason, which is why so many incredible salespeople and magicians live among us. 
If you understand how people experience things, then you can manipulate the gaps in their perception and produce a version of reality that they will helplessly fall for, or that they will at least have difficulty in distinguishing from the truth. Even then, perception is only one component. Then there is whether or not we actually understand what is really happening during our experiences. The confusion regarding perception and reality has found a more insidious niche in the modern era. I have lost track of how many times I have been told that certain people have their own truths. No, you don't, and neither do I. None of us have our own truths. You may be relying on your perception and experience to reach conclusions and then live according to these conclusions, but that is simply an example of the phenomenon I already addressed and explained earlier. You may live as though your perception is reality, but that doesn't make it so. This alone is simply human. What elevates this egotism to insidious is when you make demands that others behave as though your perceptions are reality. No one is beholden to the conclusions you've reached based on your personal experience. That is, not unless you have an adequately convincing argument that you can offer. And even then, others may still disagree. I've noticed that those who demand that others bow to the conclusions reached by a distinct mind almost never offer an argument justifying why anyone should listen. And if one is offered, it is almost never high quality. This is because, frankly, it's impossible to be a good argument. Demanding that others accept conclusions that you alone can verify based on your experience is by default an appeal to authority, which is a logical fallacy. And this particular one is the worst iteration of this fallacy. Typically, an appeal to authority directs others to accept the prepositions of an expert, which alone isn't a valid argument, but in this case, you're directing others towards yourself as the authority. You're using yourself as the authority that others should find appealing. And what is it the authority you possess? The authority of your personal experience, I guess. This, of course, breaks down immediately, because what's good for the goose is good for the gander. And so then, everyone else would also be an authority on their own experience, and we can see how that will play out. It's a game for petulant children. When situations like this arrive at their predictable impasse, the more unruly will typically engage in appeals to emotion in order to trump their opponent's appeal to authority. This changes the game from whoever has the biggest dick to whoever cries more. Regardless of who wins, neither of these competitions generate a perspective that will reliably produce truth. It is clear what participants in these sorts of exchanges are after. They want you to do what they said because they said so. This is why logic and reason are so vehemently attacked by those who prefer emotional weaponry. When you can't win with arguments, fight with emotions. And if you're losing that battle, then fight with oppression. It is about winning, not about cooperation or fairness or truth with these people. 
Despite my criticism thus far, there is a legitimate conundrum embedded in this confusion between perception and reality. Are there times where personal experience can trump conventional wisdom? Yes, of course there is. But we know that conclusions we've reached as a result of a personal experience don't eliminate the infinite number of similar circumstances that others experienced but somehow produced different outcomes when compared to ours. The problem can also run in the opposite direction. What if there is an established truth, and we have an experience that runs counter to it? Do we deduce that we've interpreted our experience incorrectly? Or is the consensus wrong? We've all likely encountered situations like this. At which point does a consensus of opinion invalidate our personal experience? Alternatively, at which point are we justified in accepting the validity of our own experience above that of the established consensus? Well, every situation will be different, so it really depends. I have felt it worthwhile to question my perceptions because they're so outlandish or riddled with bias that it is likely that the consensus is correct, at least in that situation. On the other hand, I have had personal experiences that provided me with first-hand knowledge that caused me to examine the validity of the consensus and conclude that the consensus is either insane, illogical, or corrupt. How do I know which is correct in which situation? If I always select my personal experience as prime, this is a testament to my ego. But if I always select the consensus as prime, then I am essentially pathetic and cowardly, with no will of my own. I may be able to help with this conundrum, and I'll do so by reading an excerpt from my upcoming book, The Song and the Swallow, Authenticity and Love. This is it right here. It'll hopefully be out in July sometime. I will let everyone know when it comes out. And I'm reading from the chapter called The Woven Truth. And here's what I wrote about this particular problem. I previously recorded a podcast episode that examined the question, how many legs does a dog have if you call the tail a leg? It was an examination of different models of thought that you could adopt in answering questions in order to produce a functional answer. And then I compared the answers in order to assess quality and truth. The purpose of this episode was to offer insight into human thought so that I could recommend a specific model that would be the most likely to produce coherent outcomes that are concordant with reality, and by extension, potentially truth. My conclusion was that the model of thought that produced the answer for was more correct than any other model, and that if you wanted to be the most successful in life, find the most reliable meaning, and have the best chance of long-term stable mental health, it would be wise to adopt the same model. This was simply a thought exercise, but despite my clear framing, I received correspondence from a listener that contained an admission of her disdain for terms like four-legged friend when referring to many animals, and her experience working in a veterinary hospital exposed her to a litany of admissions that resulted in the treatment of animals with a missing limb. This wasn't at all the focus of her correspondence, but it stuck out to me as I read through her thoughts, and it is a point worthy of discussion, 
especially if you've never been exposed to a conversation on the truth or accuracy of categories. My reply to her addressed most of her questions or thoughts, at least insofar as I could in a few paragraphs, and I wrote a decent amount with regard to her criticism of my conclusion that dogs indeed have four legs. What I briefly touched on, and what is particularly prescient in what I intend on furthering in this book, is how truth isn't well characterized by way of rigid specificity. It is best thought of as a pattern, woven into the substrate of human perception. This is why claiming dogs have four legs is true. But that claiming not all dogs have four legs is also true. They are both true, one by pattern and the other by circumstance. But their contextual applicability varies incredibly. If we adopt a model of thought that informs our perception by way of pattern, and the answer that is produced is four, then we are likely to be right more often than not, even in the vast majority of individually observable circumstances. On the other hand, if we adopt a model of thought that informs our perception by way of observable circumstance, and the answer that is produced is something other than four, then we are likely to be wrong more often than not, as it suffers by a failure of applicability to other circumstances, as well as a failure to sufficiently demonstrate a pattern that would constitute truth. Patterns are a superior model to classify truth over circumstance, and the combination of the two is the birth of nuance. They have a hierarchical relationship, but they are not in opposition to one another. The shortcomings of individual circumstances inform the wisdom of pattern, and the failure of the universal applicability of pattern informs the wisdom of the specificity observed in circumstance. Besides the perceivably immortal nature of death and taxes, is there any better way to define truth than this? Nuance is the wisdom produced by knowledge of both pattern and circumstance, filtering the totality of information to which we are exposed. Truth is embedded in this framework to be mined by time and effort. I believe that this is one of the best ways to ascertain truth, if we were ever able to do that in the first place. Obviously, I'm biased because I wrote that. But in any given situation, we assess the validity of both our personal experience and the pattern we've observed throughout our lives, clarify any features of both that will assist or confound either of the perspectives, and then we make a choice for that particular circumstance, acknowledging that we could be wrong. What we're trying to do when it comes to truth is make our best guess. And best isn't defined by what we want or what serves us best. It is defined as whatever seems to have the best likelihood of being true after a lengthy and nuanced examination of all of the factors involved. There is a giant flaw in this approach, which is, what if you haven't made any observations or learned anything about the experience of others? The reason that it is said that ignorance is bliss is because, in essence, when you don't know anything about people or the world, when you haven't learned anything about your shortcomings or bias, well, then you won't be burdened with having to honestly assess any given circumstance with the totality of knowledge available to humans. You can simply think and act in your own self-interest, and you'll believe yourself smart 
and right along the way. It is my belief that the less anyone knows about the world and people, the more inclined they are to resort to their personal experience as being the prime factor when determining truth. When I hear someone claim that they have their own truth, or that I'm being expected to accept someone else's truth, my immediate conclusion is that I am dealing with someone who is either ignorant, immature, or unwell. I love to help people, and I regularly volunteer to help others with any problem they're experiencing if I'm available to do so. But this doesn't mean that I'm foolish or naive, or that I'm willing to insult your intelligence by permitting you to fail to express yourself so spectacularly that you would be able to resort to making claims about having your own truth to get acceptance or comfort from others. You can do better than that. I believe in you. Sometimes we need help to find the words and the arguments so that we can advocate for ourselves. But without these, it is unreasonable and unethical to leverage fallacious claims and emotional weaponry against others so that you may prey on their empathy and susceptibilities. I'm inviting everyone to have honest discussions about their shortcomings and how they affect our ability to ascertain truth. But this only works if we cooperate and remain willing to bear our souls knowing that we are making ourselves vulnerable, hopefully just as much as others are as well. You show me yours, I'll show you mine. In fact, I put mine on display in my book. If you enjoyed this, please consider picking up my book when it comes out. I will make a formal announcement when I have a firm release date. And if you like my content, please like, share, and subscribe. Apparently, that's something you're supposed to say to people. That's the first time I've ever done it. I'm going to go wash the filth out of my mouth now. But in the interim, take care of yourselves and one another. We'll talk soon. See ya.